This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everyone. Welcome to She Podcasts, the podcast, episode 392. I am your co-host, Jessica Kupferman, and with me, as always, the very lean, mean machine, Elsie Escobar. How are you today, my dear? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you so much for asking. You're so welcome. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, specifically murders and Mastodon. So what should we start with? Uh, Let's start with murders. Let's start with murder uh, first. And we'll see if we get stuff. You know, before we get started, though, there's there's, you know, for the majority of the majority, because I only I have two other shows that I am recording now. I have to say that there is something to be said about planning and covering the topics, right? There's Mm -hmm. something about that that feels great, particularly for marketing purposes. So like for pre-promotion and for post-production marketing. And because if we were to say we're covering, hey, in this upcoming episode, because I I curate what we're going to be covering through the week. So I have things, right? It's already happening. So very easily, I could just be like, hey, Melissa, or whoever, or whatever, or me and go like, hey, show up and watch Jess and Elsie cover, we're going to be covering these stories. But what ends up happening is we record and we don't either we cover one or we completely not cover any of the things that are in the show. How much on a scale of one to 10, how much does that annoy you? Well, you know, let me tell you why it doesn't annoy me because I've, yes, absolutely. It did. But I have made peace with the fact that that's what our show is. Our show is is that. And if I go with the flow of the show, it's easier for me and you. And it also makes it a lot more fun for me. Like it makes it it makes me have a good time doing the show. If well, I can just because I'm not stressing about it, I just let it happen. And if we cover it, we cover it. Like I I've just let it go. But I see that it's important in some ways for the show to grow. I agree. I for agree. us to do that. But what I don't want though is because I've seen I don't what I don't want is like the way you open the show this time, hey, we're gonna be covering murders and mastodon. And then we never cover mastodon because we just talked about murders. Like I don't want but that. We because said you said we that at the beginning of the do show. That this time. I sorry, only what? said at the beginning of the show because you said if this is the title, we got to make sure we cover something about it. And I said, okay, we'll make right. sure, you know, we'll just have to make sure that we do it. Yeah. We'll just make sure. But I agree with you. Before we do, I just want to say this, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that you and Scott have in common as far as like having specific rigid ideas as to how something will go. And then I sort of beat you down until yes. you're like, I've just let go of the fact that I could ever have control of you or this situation. And I'm just going to go with it. And I feel like you and Scott should have a therapy session together just because you both to. have to deal with and wrangle me. 
And I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing because both of you are kind of rigid and maybe it's good for you to have someone that you can be spontaneous with which literally never happens any other time. I could be wrong. I think that it depends. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mind it because there's nobody like you as a co-host. Like you are, to me, and you are the ultimate type of co-host that I can always rely on to be able to deliver content. Like it doesn't matter what we're going to do. I always know exactly what I'm going to get. I always know that there's going to be high energy. I know, I always know there's going to be, that it's going to be entertaining. I always know there's going to be at least a couple of giggles here and there, possibly straight up like, or if we're in trouble. Uh, Yeah. You know, but yeah. there's always, that's always going to be there. And it's, there's always going to be energy. All of that stuff that's is nice. for sure true. But what I cannot guarantee is the content. So that's the only aspect of it is like, how do we find a balance of making sure we hit, we hit it and we go with it. That's the, that's the tough part. I think for me, I mean, when you crack down, if you, you, you've changed your mind about being rigid and not being rigid a few times. So like, if you're telling me now, okay, I want to be a little, I like what we're doing, but I want to be a little more rigid. I'll go with it. Totally. Right. I'll be careful to follow what we hit. You know why I I was, see, we're already on a weird, but anyway, I want to, but I do want to follow up on this this question here. These types of tangents are important because it helps other people who are listening be able to instigate, have these, you know, hear what these conversations sound like so that they can perhaps instigate it with their own partners, you know, that we can have a conversation and make changes to our podcast live so that people can see how it works, right? Yes, yes. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think I, you know, in terms of content, because I see how how important it is for the planning of the content and creating, again, creating the best show. Now, I've been doing a lot of research and I've been prepping my team over uh, on Libsyn, right, at leading content based around video podcasting, because I am very, very much bullish on providing as much education for video podcasting as possible for our people, because there's going to be a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions that are going to be coming up in uh, just coming up all the way around around video. That's just a conversation that needs to be addressed. So I want to provide those those things. So I've been doing a lot of research. I've been doing a lot of like, what are the best practices and whatnot. So there is a podcast. I'm going to be doing um, a couple of live events coming up for April and May, April and May, with a team of Ecamm, the Ecamm team. We're going to be co-hosting a couple of live events and I know exactly what I want. And they have a podcast called The Flow, which is very, very good, by the way. And so their tactic that I've been watching from the outside in is quite fantastic and I think is awesome. And I think it's the ultimate, but it requires a lot of work. I think in terms of post-production and pre-production. So first, they record exactly like we're recording like this, Mm -hmm. right? So they go live, they have a live stream, they do it the same time every week. Uh, They have their preparation, right? They have their focus. They started off exactly like we started, just kind Mm -hmm. of not putzing around, but like, hello, everybody, here we are, the live stream. And like, we know that we're going live, we're doing our thing. And then they cover the show. And in covering the show, they do almost everything we do, which is I'll do that again. Let me take that again. Hold on, John. You're going to have to take that out. Like all of the things that we do, right? Every single part of that. And they'll wrap up the show at the end. All the stuff. Now, what they do is this. These are the extra bonus stuff. So they have a playlist of the live stream. 
And then they have a playlist of the replay. And the replay is the edited down version. It's just the beginning of the, when the show goes like literally the beginning after you, you know how you intro the show and everything with the music starting there and it cuts to the end. So all of those stuff at the beginning and at the end that we do when we're futzing around, it's all cut. And then everything in between is also cut. Like all of the stuff that we mess up, all of the retakes that we do, all of the tangents that John takes out of our main audio show, all of that is taken out. So they have a really clean start to finish show on the replay on YouTube. And that's the show that goes out live. That's the audio show. So it's great because for like their first episode was, I think it was almost an hour long, the stream. But when you listen to the podcast, it's a half an hour. They took out Mm. all of this stuff that was not interesting for the topic. Do we want that though? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like when I was listening as a new listener, I just wanted to get to the chase because they because the topic was very specific. We're going to be talking about this X, Y, Z. So anything that wasn't X, Y, Z was cut out. But it doesn't matter because the live stream is there. If you want the whole thing, you can just go watch the live stream and you can you can experience the whole thing. Like it's not it's just giving people a very specific end product that I find really helpful. So if I don't want the futzing around with stuff and I just want them to get to the topic that they want to cover, I have that option. And I love that. So well, are you saying, I've just, okay, go Wait, ahead. So are you saying we should change to a similar format or not? I'm saying that's my favorite, you, but I also recognize, no, 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 I'm serious. I feel that is a wonderful way to, that's probably the optimal way to do a video podcast to audio. Optimal way. But I recognize the post-production of that is a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a like lot. A, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I don't so want to per- do it in a and per- I don't want someone else to do it. And people can just fast forward. In a perfect world, it would be great. It, like in a perfect world, whatever John delivers to the audio would be what the video portion would also show. That would be like yeah. the magical part of it all. And I do believe that they use Descript to do a lot of that as well. And another thing that oh, the yeah. Ecamm team has- Oh yeah, I bet you they do because it's so much easier in Descript. Yeah, but also right. the Ecamm team is video heavy, right? It's like they're, vi- they're video focused. So- what they're doing in terms of being able to get that done is they have team members that are skilled at being able to do that already, right? That's what they're doing. They're focusing on video is a huge part of their marketing. Whereas for us, that's not it. We don't have anybody on our team that is 100% just working on video stuff because we are really doing a lot of YouTube stuff like that. We don't, we don't do that. This is about the extent of our... Yeah, that's true. We don't do it that often, for sure. All right, moving on to the murder. Murder, 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 murder. Murder. Okay. So right. there was Later. an article um, that it, I think it's... Uh, I have it here from localtoday.news, which I'm not sure exactly what that is, but I believe that this um, this article was in a lot of different places. And it really, it's about a documentary that I believe was released at uh, South by 
Southwest somewhere. Yeah, it's a it's to be premiered at South by Southwest. So somebody must already be watching this because that's what's going on right now. And it is called Citizen Sleuths. And it is a documentary that is centering really the life of an amateur true crime podcaster. And her name is Emily Nestor. And her podcast, Mile Marker 181, investigated the 2011 death of Jalia Davis, who was involved in a grisly car accident at the border of Emily's home state, West Virginia. Um, It seemed like people had questions about that death. What unfolds is a gripping and darkly funny tale of what can happen when inexperienced investigators meddle in closed cases in order to create content. She walks the fine line between exploitation and entertainment, and then her motives are questioned, and that's how she loses that's how she loses control, I guess, of the situation is it went from being, hi, I'm entertaining you to other people questioning, I guess, what she was trying to do with the show. Yeah. And this article that we have here, which everything is linked in the show notes, by the way, if you guys want to read this. Mm-hmm. There is no uh, it doesn't reveal exactly how it, th- there's often uh, references in the article that she loses control or she can't get, you know, something like that where you're like, she can't how do wrap you her lose- hands around her own content. Anyway. Yeah. Elsie and I were yeah. like, what do you mean lose control? How do you lose control of your own podcast? Yeah. But yeah. If you think about that, if people are, I mean, I just think about only murders in the building, right? Because they often, you watch that, I'm assuming, right? If, if for those I started who, to, but I have listening. not. I have not watched the story. No, I have not watched it fully. Okay. I watched like maybe an episode. I haven't. Been for those of you yeah, who are who are listening that maybe haven't seen it, it's about three people who keep having murders in their apartment building, and you know they vacillate in every other episode between the listeners rallying behind them and giving opinions and tips as to how to you know figure out who the murder is to being criticized and almost, you know, like, and and almost as if they they want the hosts to be beheaded for being involved, involving themselves. And it's sort of like, this is sort of like a real life tale of that, where I guess at Mm. first people were like, yeah, find the murder. And then after a while they were like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? What what are you doing? This isn't (laughs) cool, man. What are you doing? And as soon as that happened, that's what I think that's how you lose the reins is like mm. when your content is now making you suffer. Your your content is the source of your suffering because you, friend, are an asshole, <laughs> which is what I think that is could be, what happened to yeah. her, right? Like her content's biting her in the ass because she's not doing it for the right reasons with the right intent. Anyway. And I think that it's not that that started that way, but there's a couple, there's like quotes in here that are really good. Like one of them says, quote, the downsides of turning a hobby into a career while other people's real lives and reputations are at stake are explored with both consideration and audience entertainment in mind. It's curious because I think that this really plays into a conversation we need to be having kind of as podcasters that doesn't only affect true crime. It can be uh, reality TV. It can be yeah. pop culture conversations that are happening out in the space, right? Um, it can be political podcasts because a lot of our audiences are those people. You, you never know. Like, let's say we started a political podcast that all of a sudden somehow we hit a nerve and everybody started to listen to our take. And we're like, uh, we are sort of 
not really into politics, but we kind of can get in trouble with politics. And now we're spewing out our own personal opinions and could possibly have real life repercussions in our democracy. (laughs) I mean, I'm taking it to the nth degree, you know what I mean? But it can possibly happen. I don't think that would happen to us. And here's why. Because from the beginning of our podcast career, I've always stressed that whether you like it or not, the soon as soon as you become a podcaster, you are a journalist. She says in this article, I don't, I'm not a journalist and I'm not a police, you know, I float somewhere in the middle. No, you don't. If you are reporting about a story, you are a journalist. It does not matter if you work for a paper. Your job is to get the story that your listeners want. And that doesn't matter if you're talking about politics, pop culture, regardless of what you're talking about. This is why people make fun of people who sit around just talking shit in their basement because you're not informing, entertaining, or anything in between. You have to get a story, even if it's just the story of when you fell on your face. You're still a journalist reporting a story. So, like, you can't vacillate. And she seems to think that she's vacillating in between being an investigator and a journalist. She's like, but I'm not either. It sounds like you're trying to be both, though. You can't be both and then say you're not one or the other. And if you are going to be those things, an investigator and a journalist, those need to be the reasons why you're doing it, not for fame and glory. That's why she got bitten, I think. Unless that's what it says in the story. In a sense, mind you, we have not watched the documentary, so we could be completely not... uh, This is what we're gleaning from this article, right? This says... What quickly becomes clear is that Citizen Sleuth does not attempt to document an amateur podcaster's noble struggle for justice, but warns of the dangers as a whole. Emily knows true crimes have a history of changing the outcome of closed cases. She sees her podcast as her ticket to something bigger than herself. And ironically, that is happening, but out of her control. Mm. Okay. I mean, like, that's, it's just interesting. And I mean, but that all comes, I think, from having a non- an anti-altruistic motive. Because what happens when you try to get, there are very few people that go out of their way to try and find fame and glory that end up getting it for being respectable. You know, like people who go out specifically for fame and glory get it, but they are not respected in any field for any reason at any time. So you have to be careful. Yes. But also if you do have an altruistic motive for Dealing with subject matters like this, there it could also bite you in the behind, right? It could also, yes. like, even if you start I mean, thinking could. about, you know, the context of Serial, the first time that it came out, and how it escalated to a place where nobody had ever thought about this before, and the repercussions that it really had on that case, whether good or bad, to be able to, like, it just, it had a lot of impact that nobody had really had up to that point regarding mm. a specific case. And I do not think the serial team went into this thinking that this was going to happen. Like they were going at it. They're journalists. They went at it from a journalistic perspective, but yeah. didn't quite grasp the impact that it would have. Now, thinking this sentence, I think both Jess and I were like, oh my God, because it was so well thought out. And I think all of us need to kind of like hold this sentence to ourselves and like 
look at our own selves. So here's the quote, quote, citizen sleuth is an extraordinary look at every neurotic mess up to this point. One that considers the huge ramifications of what can happen when podcasters get too high on their own stash. That is a great line. Oh, it's a great line. Oh my God. written. It's so great. Yeah. When is it that we, I mean, if we want to look at ourselves clearly and just like really look at ourselves in the mirror, like when have we gotten high off our own supply of podcasting? Like, do we really have times when we're like, oh, I want to do this. And, and it's maybe not with the best intention, or maybe we're wanting to get something that we probably shouldn't from this specific medium, or I don't know. I just think it was it was beautifully stated and it made me pause because I was like, oh, <laughs> eek. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever gotten high on my own supply. It's possible. I'm trying um, to be, I mean, I, I have an enormous ego. I mean, it needs its own mattress and bedspread. So it's possible that I have, but I don't know. And also, I mean, I think one thing that is mentioned here is that Emily's, I mean, the way that this is framed as well is that whatever happens, because I don't even know what the storyline is really. I mean, other than following this whole thing is that it was well-intentioned naivete. I can't say that word. It doesn't sound very well-intentioned to me, but I hear you. Well, I do feel that there is that though, Jess. That's what I'm saying. I think that something did happen there. And I think that there's a sense, at least what I glean from what you're seeing this, is that what happened is the possibility of this injustice or something going off with this specific case is what drove her to continue to think about it and and continue to get herself in there and try to report on it and talk about it. And there came a point when she thought she was going one way, but realized after she kept doing it that it was not going that way at all. And the train had already gone, right? The boat sailed or whatever the that's come. And so that's why, and it seems yeah. like she took, that's interesting she took, too. What do you do when you're yeah, story? What if it, like, story? Yeah. Do you just go, oopsie episode 10 <laughs> this is going to be our last episode. Cause I ain't got shit. Bye. Like, what do you do? I would, I mean, do you, I guess what she did was try and make connections where none exist, but like that's yeah, not yeah. really a good thing either because you're a messing yeah. with crime. So like, what do you yeah. do? I would like to give my advice as to what to do. Repeat everything I just said. Episode 10, guess what? I ain't got no case. This show is over. <laughs> Thank you and good night. See you on the next podcast where I try and solve a murder that may have actually happened. Bye. <laughs> that's all you need. Just be honest. And else, yeah, because it seemed like she did, but it, it was like, like she it. disappeared or whatever. I don't know. But all I'm saying is that I'm I'm very curious about this. Uh, again, it, it it was supposed to be debuted at South by Southwest. I'm curious of, of about what reviews or whatever came out, but I I do want to watch it because it's super. It is very very interesting conversation. So compelling. But that now guides us into actual A real murder. murder. Ah! I was a little astounded because my jaw sort of like dropped when I saw this headline. It was shared with me by our mutual friend because he always gives me like the best tips and tricks all the time. Like come in here, touching base with me, sharing funky informational things that just pop into my into my head. Honor Knight, 
And uh, he tagged me on Twitter and he was like, we love our fans, but not this kind of a fan. <laughs> what he said to me. So I looked at it and the headline of this is podcaster murdered by crazed fan who stalked her across the country. So go ahead, Jess, give us the play by play as you knew it from me sharing this article. And then I will wrap up with what we ended up finding out. So. Elsie sends me this article and without even without even conversation, both of us are in the background searching endlessly to try and find this podcast, because if someone's going to be murdered over their podcast, that better be a good ass show. So we were (laughs) like, we got to find this show. What is the show? I need to hear the show. How could the show trigger someone to murder another person? It must be a hell of a show. Well, we found nothing for I mean, I looked for a good I don't even know how long because I was in the car and I guess you were in the car probably too, I'm guessing. But I anyway. was in the car also looking for the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So this guy, the killer, I want to say his name. It is Ramin Koda Karam. Hold on. Koda Karam Razai. Koda Karam Razai. I have to say it's the longest. It is the name with the most letters I've ever seen in my life. And I had a friend in elementary school whose last name was Marcinkowitz. And like, I thought that was the longest name I'd ever seen, but this really is the longest name I've ever seen. Anyway, apparently she has some kind of a show, we couldn't find it, where she was helping Farsi-speaking people get jobs. In the tech in industry. In the tech so it's industry. A ve- it was a very, yes. yeah, and it was a very specific thing. This and her guy's- name, by the way, is Zore Zadegi. That is the victim's Zore. name. Yeah, Zore, Zore Zadegi. Sadegi, yeah. So I guess they started emailing just conversations about the show. They became friends. Then it took a concerning turn, says the article, and Sadegi became uncomfortable with the content of his messages and how often he was contacting her. So he was harassing her. That was December. He would call her like 100 times a day. That is just, I mean, come on. It led to in-person stalking. He visited her house the night before the murder, followed her to a conference, and then murdered her a couple nights ago. Go ahead. So do you want to finish the story? That's the story as I know it. Look at your face. God, you're so tense. Relax. I man. know. Well, it's because We're not it's like, murdered. I mean, seriously, like this person, mind you, this the, the killer was a uh, trucker. So uh, he was driving around, I guess. It was easy for him not to be driving around. Wrong with it. And he came in and uh, he murdered them like straight, like in literally came into the house and just shot him, uh, the the husband and wife. So, uh, and Which, the mother. Not cool, man. Not cool. Oh, it's just, yeah, Come awful. On, but anyway, in our searching for all of this stuff, I did find out that the person, she was not a podcaster. No. Which is why we couldn't find the flipping show. Exactly. That's why we couldn't find the show. And then on the New York Times, which again, articles are going to be in the show notes on the New York Times, the title of that said stalker fatally shoots audio streamer and husband in Washington. So they did their due diligence a little bit more and switched the actual vocabulary term from podcaster to audio streaming because it was different because the show The stream was, this is what the article says, the stream was hosted on Clubhouse. The show must have happened or must happen 
periodically. I don't know whenever they were having that conversation on Clubhouse. And obviously, as we know, for some of you folks that have used Clubhouse in the in the past, Clubhouse is more real-time conversation. So there's some of you who are watching us here live today, and then you have real-time conversation with us. But most of you are listening to this a week after the fact. after we've or five days after we record. So it's not real time conversation. You can send us feedback for sure. And we can respond to you for sure. But the majority, I would say 90 percent of our audience is host. Right. Whereas with Clubhouse, it's happening at that time. And I feel that that back and forth and also Clubhouse itself, I think you can private message people. And I think that that's where that relationship might have become easier, right? You're doing the show. The guy kept showing up. I'm sure he had questions. I'm, this is pure conjecture here. The guy kept showing up. He was like a super fan. He kept engaging with the content, asking more questions. They sort of became friends after that. But he, I guess he was super in love with this person. Of course. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Honestly, people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess he, be, he was in love with her and he, you know, made one of those comments that it's like, if sort of like, if nobody can have you, if I can't have you, nobody can kind of a thing. Or I'm gonna... No one can have you. Always yeah. romantic. And not creepy at all. It not, um, it's so annoying. Yeah, bonkers, though. But we were just like, a podcaster was murdered. Oh, yeah. my God. It's the end for the rest of us. But it's probably not. It is horrible. So, oh, no, here. So this is what the dude said. Um, she mentioned to the police because she did. Go to the police about this. You said one message suggested he would love her forever and would burn himself in front of her house. Ouch, dude. But I mean, there's that no would have been. That. There's also no need. I mean, I I mean, why didn't he just do that? She, of... He did buy her presents. Items it seems of affection, like there were things that were mailed to her. I, think, I may be wrong, though. But when I read that, it felt to me, Jess, that the presents that were being sent to her weren't only from nice. him. I think it was from her audience. I think her audience was sending. It says instances gifts. where the individual did show up bearing gifts. Oh, there were okay. items, items of affection and gifts that were also mailed to the victim. I mean, yeah, that could have been her audience, but, but the article says he showed up with things, which is, ugh. I don't mind gifts, actually, but don't come to my house. And so it makes me, and obviously I've been talking a lot about in that other show that I have, Fuzzy Logic, we just talked about privacy. And one of the biggest things for me, as you know, right? Like, I think one question that was put to me was, when is privacy get in the way? Like, when is it a negative thing? Like, you know, and to talk about it from the from the place of of being a creator and whatnot. Is there a time when you feel that being private about stuff and is a negative as a content creator? And as, and when he said that, I was like, I have to say that I don't believe there's any time for me because yeah, as you know, right. like it, with, I was just thinking about, you know, whenever a new year starts and you want to do things differently and people choose an, a word of the year and a theme and all of the things for every time I look back at my writing on January 1st or when I'm doing that visioning for the year, every single time it's centered around privacy. And I always, I'm like, 
I just want to be more private. I just privacy. I just want to be, have this private. I don't want to be so public. I want to be private like every single time. So to me, do you think it's time to just accept it and get used to being a little bit public or what? Well, no, no, no. It's, but the thing is, it's sort of like you, I am like, it's, that's what I'm saying. But I have stopped in so many different ways. Like, not being public, like there's many things that I've done that are not look. Look how many times I post on Instagram a year. It's like that I also, have. Why in the are you past. trying to shut everyone else out? What is your deal? Every year you want to be anybody- more. Every year you're like less people in my life, please. I don't like yes, the people, and know, I want no, no, no. less. I do, yeah, because it's kind of because- hurtful. I must say, as one of the people in your life, it's a little, it's a little hurtful. I think that it has to do with my job. Okay, maybe. On social. Okay, maybe. Right? Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with my job on social because I feel I would be more apt to engage and connect with people if I didn't have to do it for my job. I don't know if you would. I think if you didn't have this job, you would you would sail away into the LC abyss never to return. Oh my God, it would be so amazing. I know. Uh, see? I knew it. Not cool, bro. Wait, there was something I want to do before. Before we go into Mastodon, I want to say a couple things. Yeah. First, yes. um, we ran a we ran a a contest last week saying that whoever bought a ticket from uh, International Women's Day and beyond, we would mention you and your show on the show. And there were three people that bought a ticket and entered to win. So we have Holland Saltzman, and her show is called The Novel Neighbor. N O V E L. We have Megan Lewis, and her show is called Story Pillar, Stories and S-E-L for Kids. Very cool. And lastly, we have Makita Smith, whose show is called Time, T-H-Y-M-E, for Tea with Makita, which sounds very cool and cute. So thank you guys for taking us up on our offer for Women's Day this week. If you're listening on Friday, today is probably the last day that you can buy a ticket and enter to win a free Vocaster 2, complete with microphone and headphones and a mixer. Um, It's really cool. And I would like to thank Focusrite for their generosity in giving us this product to give away. Thank you, Focusrite. The Vocaster is awesome. Um, if you go on ShePodcast.com, in the show notes, you'll see the link. You can go take a look at it. But either way, buy a ticket and you'll be entered to win only until midnight Friday. So go get I your love. ticket right now. ShePodcastLive.com. Oh, don't forget, because it's getting late. Nominate whoever you want to nominate for the Sonic Bloom Awards. Just SonicBloomAwards.com. If there's a podcaster that has been particularly helpful or one that you think has an amazing talent, Go to SonicBloomAwards.com, nominate them for an award. You only have until March 31st, so please don't forget. And now we can move into Mastodon, which has oh so far God. eluded me in its usefulness and fun. So, <laughs> so speaking of, I know. And I, okay, so my usage of social media, the reason that I'm in the boat that I'm in now is because I'm a huge early adopter, right? So something comes out, I want to test it. I want to let, I want to go. I want to poke the buttons. I want to see what's going on in there. I want to play with it. And, and thus, this is where I am, right? But so now given the fact that Twitter has essentially imploded and there's so many things about it that I loved and now I really don't, 
I've been totally rearranging my usage of social in so many different ways. I'm sure I'm not the only one. And no, of course not. Mastodon is one of the places that folks are going into. And I'm not in no way am I saying that Mastodon is not problematic in its own ways. In fact, when I first went into Mastodon, which was, I can't remember when I first signed up, it was last year at some point, the first, I did not get it. And I remember I went in and I was overwhelmed with the posts were from people I didn't even yeah, you I don't like, get it. It was like I don't it was get like why going it's into, useful, and I don't get why it's fun. I don't get either. Yeah, one of those it was things. like I was literally in the place. Like, yeah, it's you. You go to a place, and it's the worst. It's like where you would never go, right? You walk yeah. in, you're like, I have why zero I in common with all of these people. Why am I here? Yeah. Why am I here? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> I don't know. So I kind of was there, and I paid attention once in a while I would go in and I still I didn't even know anyway I had all the problems most people are having right now but I kept at it you know it was one of those things that what ended up happening is because of the massive exodus from Twitter and the majority of people who were tech folks and remember we covered the uh, Twitter apps that had denied the APIs and so those folks that had built these beautiful apps no longer could even have the apps because their a- the API access was completely turned off and they just could not even make it work. Those developers switched their focus to Mastodon. And that was something that didn't exist before. And before you would have to do most of the things on the browser itself, or it was a little bit more, they were less than stellar apps here and there that were equally sort of non- Apple-y. And I'm saying apple in the sense that every time we go into an Apple app, it's clean interface. You can kind yeah. of figure out where everything goes. And you're like, oh, my God, this yeah. is great. Um, and one, easy. You know how to use them all. Yeah, yeah. And usually they have it's it's nice, the layout, the whole thing. So all these devs started to develop stuff for Mastodon. And so now there is a resurgence of a lot of these Uh, devs that are creating these apps. And that's made it so much easier for people to engage with Mastodon because it feels a little bit more like a Twitter type of an app. And Mm -hmm. you know how that works, right? So that's step one. Step two is that there's a lot of people, a lot of organizations, including Medium, you know, from Medium dot, is it, what is it, M-E? I don't even know what they're, or Medium.com, you know, everybody. com, yeah. .com, the the writer, you know, people who have, who write in that platform, you know that. So they created an instance, Flipboard, uh, which is another app that um, works really well on the iPad. Their CEO also now has a way of being able, they, they started an instance and there's direct connection to Mastodon inside of Flipboard. I believe um, Automatic, who are the owners or the, the big company that owns uh, Word WordPress are always also creating an instance. So instances there are um, separate uh, little communities, I guess you could say, that um, are curated and host and self-hosted. So every instance inside of Mastodon has its own person who runs it on a server. So they are managed independently and they talk to each other, but they are separate completely. And that's what makes it a little confusing for some. So all of this to say, it has become very easy for me to navigate 
myself on in on Mastodon because I hooked up with community. And that was the key for me was I started to follow things that I love, like ADHD content, PKM content, stationary content, pen pen content, podcasting oh, content. Got like, it. Those are like hashtags that I follow. And then there's mm-hmm. all of these really cool conversations that are happening. And I just follow the hashtags and I have connected with a lot of people who I didn't even know were there. It Ooh, tends to be slightly, appealing. it's great. It's a little bit more skewed towards tech, science, media, that part, right? It's very tech heavy. Um, and a lot of the folks that I've followed most of my life, especially the early adopters are all really tech heavy. So a lot of Apple conversations are going on there. I follow Apple, uh, hashtag Apple, if you will, iOS, hashtag iOS. So I see a lot of these things come up and I've been having a really good time there. I also had something kind of that's nice. go, go slightly, I guess, viral, if you will, when I, I wrote something on oh. Mastodon. And it like got a lot of boot. Like, like you call feedback? them, the, you call them boosts. So when people oh. like what we call reshares, they call boosts there. And when people okay. do an update, it's called a toot. You call it a toot. So it's not a tweet. It's a toot. So, All right. Okay. I'm just, <laughs> so it's a toot, but um, I actually wrote, something that is uh, that was about us uh, this is what i wrote that got a lot of toots and a lot of shares and, and likes i said schedule for later is an essential feature that needs to be added to any kind of communication or creation platform or app Agreed. especially to support folks with adhd being able to immediately write that email that text post that update and schedule it to go out at an appropriate time is probably one of the biggest quality of life mental Agreed. health work life hacks my brain Absolutely, needs to right. take care of it now and much more effective than reminders and adding it to a to-do list. So 100%. I wrote that and I got 56 boosts. So they it was shared and I got 116 likes for that. And I got all kinds of really amazing conversation around that. And from people I don't even know, like, because I, and I, the hashtag that I used was hashtag ADHD. And so what happens there is, mm. and there's no way to like quote, you know how there's quote retweets yeah. or quote yeah. tweets that doesn't yeah. exist in Mastodon. You just boost it. So if you see something you like, you just boost that post. And if you see that on, and then you see it on your own feed. So if somebody boosts it, you see it on your own feed, if you're following them. And so you get a lot more reach. And the other thing is that there is no algorithm. It's just real time. So if somebody bumps into your stuff, you'll still get boosted and and looked at and all this stuff. So I'm really digging it. I'm just saying, I know it's, and I'm not, you know, it's challenging. It's a challenging yeah. platform. To well, do. I'm glad you've explained some of it to me. Um, I'm going to keep, well, I'm probably not going to keep trying it, but I'll eventually poke in there. Lena says that you sold it to her. So that's, you got one on your team. So rah, rah. I got, I got one on my team, <laughs> but you can follow, it's following those hashtags. It's really great. And the community is there too. There's like a couple of accounts that share other kinds of accounts to follow too, that are based on topic. And mm-hmm. it's really cool to be able to follow that. I've, I've really found it incredibly helpful. I can break down some of my workflows at some point 
and talk about um, what I'm using, but I usually use Ivory, which is an iOS app, and also Ice Cubes. Those are the two apps that I use on my devices. On my computer, I use Elk. It's um, E-L-K. And Elk is a, I like E-L-K. It's a really pretty little web app. I guess it's an applet um, that is still in, it's an alpha actually, uh, but it's very stable and I like it. It's got a great interface. It's very clean and it, you can, I communicate like that mostly on my desktop when I do that kind of stuff. There is an article that I'll share in the show notes. It's from Diverse Tech Geek, how to find Mastodon users recommended accounts to follow. And Jess, if you look at that article, it actually breaks everything down that I told you. Like there are third-party tools that mm-hmm. you can look at. There's like DeBirdify, Fetty Finder, Twitterdon, Move to Dawn. <laughs> and those are currently using the API, which as we all know, is going to be disappearing soon. So I don't know if, if or not that they will work. But what you can do is you use these tools that are in this article, and then it pulls your existing Twitter list sucks it into into your account, if you will, and it'll find the people that have Mastodon accounts in any instance. So even if you're not in that specific instant as other people are. So yeah, I don't know if I would are, want that. I actually, it was real. I didn't it's want to do list. it. And then when I did do it, it was helpful because there were some that I really wanted to follow and it was really easy for me to do that. But this article from, um, like I said, from Diverse Tech Geek is very good. And it it breaks down all kinds of ways and wh- how you can find people to follow there. And you will, I promise you, you will discover some very interesting people that you've never seen before. And again, I really like the fact that it's very much, there's no algorithm. Like just because my, that one toot got all of these reshares and stuff, it doesn't mean that now I'm popping up on everybody's algorithm now. It just, you have no, to be but, there. Right. So. Like Twitter used to be. I Correct. So this is exactly. So I, I love it. I think it's, um, I've been really enjoying myself. Um, I don't go all the time, but weirdly it's become the place that I do find out about a lot of more information. Ooh. All right. I'll give it a try. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, sharing I'm, that. I'm wrapping it up. Okay, go. Oh, she's wrapping it up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. Thank you so much for listening to She Podcasts. If you want to find any of the links we talked about today, go to ShePodcast.com. You can also find us on socials, Pinterest, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at She Podcasts. Don't forget to nominate your favorite podcaster at SonicBloomAwards.com and also buy your ticket to our event. It is in Washington, D.C. this June, June 19, 2021, 20, 22 in Washington, D.C. at the MGM National Harbor. Go check it out, SheetPodcastLive.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being alive. We love you. <laughs> mean it. Bye. Sorry to run away. <laughs>